Here's something I know. You can take the girl out of North Dakota, but you can't take North Dakota out of the girl. I was reminded of that in late May when my wife, Nancy Lee, and I spent four days with some dear lifelong friends, Matt and Kathy. We were riding horseback through the Badlands and the Theodore Roosevelt National Park on the Madahe Trail just outside Medora, North Dakota. Now, we've ridden many times with our friends before, but never in a place as vast and beautiful as the Badlands. It was the third morning, and we were riding on a high prairie ridge overlooking the valleys and the peaks of that beautiful, rugged country. And my North Dakota girl, Nancy Lee, looked back at me, and she asked, Hey, Gaucher, how are you doing back there? I took a moment and spit out a couple sunflower seeds because, hey, when you're a cowboy, even for a few days, you get to spit. And then I said, I'm about as content as I've been in a long time. Now, most of you know me well enough to know that I'm rarely not content, but I hadn't felt rested like that in some time. It, it was amazing. Kathy and Matt are really good teachers. There's always something to learn, whether you're loading a trailer or mucking a stall, riding up a steep incline or crossing a river, or descending into a ravine or traversing along a really narrow ridgeline with a hundred foot drop on either side. Uh, or dismounting your horse and walking the last 100 yards to the barn just to let the horses reset while you learn to walk again. And I think the really big learning for me was the importance of doing something different. Taking a break from the usual rhythms of life and work and doing something that doesn't just fill a day, but fills a soul as well. Well, we're in a series called Top 10. All summer long, we're focusing on God's Top 10, the Ten Commandments, 10 essential words of life and direction given to people who were shaped by oppression and lost in despair. These words of guidance and direction, hope and love were given to a people who had no idea who they were, what they were doing, where they were going, or how they would get there. They were not thriving in any way. These were people who had no concept of what it meant to be loved and valued and treasured. The Ten Commandments were given to help them reframe their identity as people set free to live healthy relationships with one another and with God. This week, I want to focus on the Third Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's all about healthy rhythms. Let me explain. In the early moments of the creation poem, God created rhythms. In Genesis 1:14, on day four, God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Those are rhythms. 
Two days later on day six, when Adam and Eve show up in their birthday suits, they step into kind of dance of day and night, month and year, winter and spring and summer and fall. Those are rhythms. And then between the rhythms of the day and the month, God added one more, a rhythm taught not by the heavens, but by God's own example. The seventh day rhythm of the week. God could have made a rhythmless world if God had wanted to do that. It would have been a world without days and weeks and months and years. But in God's wisdom, rhythms make the world a good home for us, mere mortals who are often in need of rest and renewal. As those who bear the image of the Creator, we are creatures of rhythm. But there's a huge plot twist in this story. In his book, Crazy Busy, Kevin DeYoung pulls the alarm when he writes, <clears throat> it's concerning that our lives are getting more and more rhythmless. We don't have healthy routines. We can't keep our feasting and fasting apart. Evening and morning have lost their feel. Sunday has lost its significance. Everything is blurred together. The faucet is a constant drip. In other words, life looks less like Eden and more like Egypt. By the time we get to the book of Exodus, Genesis chapters one and two, those are long gone. There isn't any sense of week and month or season or year in Egypt, only the endless sequence of work days. God's people are oppressed, living in a world without rhythms. Unlike the restful God of creation, Pharaoh exhibits a single-minded madness for work, 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 and more work. To Pharaoh, a slave's 50-year life was merely a sequence of 18,262 workdays, inconveniently disrupted by the need for sleep. We may not have an actual Pharaoh yelling, make more bricks, but hey, we're not that far from oppressive rhythms in Egypt. Not only do average work hours in America exceed that of many other countries, but the boundaries between work and rest have stretched and become blurred. We no longer need to go to the office to make our bricks. We just need Wi-Fi. And if I'm really honest with you, I may have checked my email a few times while riding those horses on that high plateau in the Badlands. That, that's just silly. Such is life without healthy rhythms, a life with no square on the calendar labeled rest. So how can we begin unlearning the rhythmless ways of Pharaoh and return to the rhythms of life and more life that our loving, creative God is has created for us? I wanna say that being attentive to weekly rest is the first best place to begin. We'll have far more of everything we need if we practice Sabbath. Once a week, slow down, catch our breath. We were made for rhythms. We were made for work and rest. So let me give you three really, really doable first steps. First of all, 
set a boundary. Set a boundary. Rhythms of rest require intentional boundaries around that rest. People who do this really well are those who schedule it in. If we were to share our calendars with one another, you know, I think that we'd see things on our calendars like coffee with Barb or dinner with the Andersons or meeting with so-and-so. We schedule things like shopping or a soccer game or uh, an oil change, but we rarely see the word rest on our calendars. We don't schedule rest because we just think that we'll do it automatically, but we know we don't. None of us would write in our calendars, do not work or do nothing today. Even though God gave that command over a dozen times in the early chapters of scripture. So friends, set the boundary, but keep in mind too that setting a boundary is far easier than just keeping the boundary. As soon as we schedule some time to breathe, other things start taking our breath away. But the third commandment is an invitation to trust that God's spirit will give us just what we need once we set down the pen, close the computer, finish for the day, set the boundary. Second, refresh, walk, repeat. Have you ever come home from a trip and said, wow, I think I need a vacation to recover from my vacation? <laughs> it's true, a day off isn't the same as a day of rest. But it's easy to confuse the two. Sometimes we pack a day off with so much good stuff like sports and practices and home projects and parties, which are all great things, but they often leave us more restless than rested. Again, God's own pattern gives us our goal. Here it is in Exodus 31:17. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, God rested and was refreshed. Following God into this kind of rest requires not only setting boundaries, but also filling those boundaries with genuinely refreshing activities, activities that send us back into our work refreshed in mind and soul and body, ready to spend and be spent for the good of others. So what would that look like for you? Again, maybe scheduling some time alone, just write it into your calendar. Write in, take a walk. While I, while I was writing this, my watch buzzed. It was a mindful moment from my Headspace meditation app. And it simply read, go for a walk and leave your phone behind. Notice how much you notice with your head up. <laughs> so you know what I did? I took off my watch and I set it down. And then I left my phone on my desk and I went for a walk. And you know what happened? I ran into Sherry. Here's the deal. I walked out of the building. I went for a purposeful walk around the building. And I came to a particular place where there is a wide spot for parking. And there was a car parked then. And Sherry got out of the car and I greeted her. And we had this refreshing conversation. 
And I learned from Sherry that she was going to go on a bit of a trip. She was going to spend some purposeful, intentional time with some family and friends. And then, then she was going to come back after a number of months away. It was a very, very intentional expression of rest for Sherry and her life. Friends, I went back to my workspace and I just, I just sat in a chair for a bit and I thought, if I hadn't paid attention to that prompt to leave everything behind and go for a purposeful walk, I would never have had that remarkable conversation with Sherry. And not only that, but I wouldn't have had the opportunity to consider how God had modeled that for Sherry, and Sherry was modeling that kind of rest and pause for me. I would never have gotten that opportunity. And here's the third really doable action. It is worship. And I got to tell you, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because there you are and here I am. Here we are. You know, you can embrace the one activity. We get to do that together. This one activity that always rests at the very heart of refreshment, worship. Before God gave Israel the third commandment, God gave them the first commandment. God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The Sabbath is rooted in the reminder we're to allow God to have the primary place in our lives. Well, the implication is that when we, when we really rest, if we really want to find refreshment in the Sabbath, and not just a day off, we get to discover Jesus in a brand new way. 2,000 years later, Jesus is still giving us the invitation that follows a similar pattern. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Ultimately, rest flows not from a weekly pause, but from a person. Unlike Pharaoh, God has no need for storage cities and oppressed laborers. God looks not first for menial workers, but for meaningful worshipers. And God calls us not to Egypt, but to the Eden of himself. For good reason then, many Christians seek to join their weekly day of rest with their weekly day of corporate worship. If we can do the same, that's great. If not, we can at least find some special way to say both with our hearts and with our lips, Jesus, not Pharaoh, is Lord. And then we live that out. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you have called us to sink deeply into moments, hours, a day of rest and renewal in you. We pray that you would help us push back against the, the tendency, even the temptation to be busy all the time. Help us on this day, on whatever day it is for us to just pause, to stop, to breathe, and to just be in your presence. We pray all of this in the strong name of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.